Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Delicious. Today is Monday, July 17th. I'm a little, little frazzled today um, for no good reason. Running behind, um, we decided not to go on our road trip. So I am here all week um, in the non-comedian sense. Uh, but I had scheduled to have my nails done at noon today. Very important things uh, before the trip or we were going to leave this afternoon. Um, so I wanted to start writing by 8 so I could get all of my words in before I went for my manicure. And uh, not only that, I'm like not even going to get started by 9 because I'm just now getting to the podcast. It's been a busy morning. Um, I have a couple of big birthday shout outs. Two of my best friends were born on this very day. I think it's interesting that they share this birthday. Uh, the fantabulous Grace Draven. We are celebrating her uh, continued existence upon this earth. Hooray. And also Kelly Robson, also celebrating her continued existence, though hers was less in question. So happy birthday, Grace and Kelly. I have been messaging with both of them this morning. So, and should get to talk to Grace this evening. So that'll be lovely. <clears throat> uh a little bit of a scare. My stepdad went to the hospital last night with stomach pains. Um, we're waiting to find out if he's going to be okay. So I've been messaging with my mom this morning. And, uh, and then if you follow me, then you know that last week I was in Tucson all week. Came back Friday afternoon. My mom's medical procedure went great. So, uh, She's doing really well. It's always something, right? So I did get writing done while I was in Tucson. Uh, I did go off every morning and wrote at the Starbucks for several hours on a couple of different occasions. And so that was great. It's nice to be, um, you know, there on Pacific time because Arizona doesn't do daylight savings. So I would wake up early and just go right to get to work. So um, Onira is almost done. It's at over 80,000 words. I bit the bullet and sent what I have so far to assistant Kareen. We'll hear what she has to say about it. I'm oddly nervous about showing this book to anybody. Um, and she hasn't said anything yet. She may not have started reading it yet, to be fair. So anyway, um, I think I will have it done in the next couple of days and revised. Um, I would love to have it revised by the end of the week. I, I'm, I have it scheduled to have it done by the end of next week. So, but yeah, I stayed on track. I didn't get 3,000 words a day, but I did do quite well. Um, Let's see. I think we can see what I got. Well, on Monday, I got my 3,000. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, I got 2,000 words. And Thursday, I only got 1,550. 
and Friday I got 797. That was um, in the lift car on the way to the airport. So yeah, I was happy to get anything at all, right? On Friday morning. <clears throat> and Thursday, I'm not sure why I slowed down so much. I'm trying to find a less dappled spot if you're on video. This is what I get for being behind. Uh, the sun comes through the grape leaves and makes me look like some sort of weird forest creature, which to be fair, maybe I am. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not, my feelings are not hurt to, uh, have this extra time to get this book finished. Then I'm going to turn around and start working on Twisted Magic, I believe is my plan. Um, and I will be able to set up a pre-order date for that soon. Uh, I would love to have it out in September. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see it. Actually, I, I was sort of looking at ways I could try to get it out by the end of September. And it would just be so super tight. So I think I will... Um, once I get a better sense of things, I will set an October release date. Um, Onira, I've got to decide what I'm going to do. There's a chance I'm just going to self-publish it and put it out in August and see what you all think. I'm so ner I don't know why I'm so nervous about this book. Um, but I'm also going to show it to Agent Sarah to see what she thinks. Uh, but I'm going to ask her how fast she can turn around reading it. Uh, because because I do want to release it in August if she can. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm not being articulate this morning. My, my thoughts are scattered uh, just um, for no good reason. Um, so, yeah, this is what I want. Because Sarah, she has a reading cue. She has other clients. I know besides me. Uh, but if she's going to, if she wants to read it, I need her to read it and tell me if it's a go or no go uh, for her to take on traditional uh, submission. And if she wants, if, if she's going to say no go, I want to know soon enough that I can publish it in August. So maybe that makes sense. Um, and then I have to figure out sort of how to, to market it and all of that. So, um, so yeah, that's my life. That's where I'm at on things. Uh, I'm still not quite sure how Onira is going to end <laughs> with like 6,000 words to go. I think I know. Um, it'll be interesting to see. So anyway, it won't be a big deal today. I'll get my words in before I go get my nails done and then I'll just come back and get words after as well. I just don't like doing it that way. Um, so I did make some notes, 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 notes on things to talk about. Um, oh, one of them is that I promised to share, uh, the, in a few weeks, uh, surprisingly quite soon now, I am going to be in Portland at the Willamette Writers Conference, and I'm going to be teaching a masterclass on world building all day on Friday, August 4th. So, um, I will share the graphic for that. <laughs> I'm really having a hard time with my dappling here. Maybe I'll risk a pause. There, that's better. 
changed my angle a little bit. Um, yeah, so teaching a master class on world building. Uh, you could still register for Willamette Writers Conference. It looks like it's a great conference, lots of great people there. I'm teaching that master class. Um, sign up. It should be really fun. And I'll share the graphic on that. I think I said that. And I'll also share the link in the show notes if I remember to do that. Um, other things I wanted to talk about today. Um, oh, okay. So one thing um, when I was in Tucson was I watched, rewatched with my mom, the movie The Big Easy. And the... Um, this is a 1986 movie. We both loved it back in the day. It's streaming for free on Amazon Prime. Young Dennis Quaid and Ellen Barkin. John Goodman is in it too, interestingly enough. Uh, so really great movie about uh, a murder mystery, a love affair, police corruption in New Orleans. Uh, my mom commented as we were watching it that she didn't remember how sexy the movie was. It has great, great sex scenes because Ellen Barkin and Dennis Quaid embark on this love affair. And it was, um, you know, I've, I've read several things about how movies have fewer sex scenes in them now. Uh, that's largely part of various crusades to, you know, have only violence in our movies and not lovemaking. Uh, not that I am uh, opinionated or bitter about this, but it is striking when you watch a movie from like that era from the eighties and you see how much they devote to the lovemaking scenes and they have this very passionate love affair and it's really important to the story. And it's actually one of the best sex scenes. There's great things that I just love about the sex scene. And I will caveat that those of you out there who are super sensitive to consent things, um, there is a little bit of that byplay. This doesn't bother me because it's like fun byplay, but I know that people are much more sensitive to this than I am. What can I say? I'm, I know I'm totally Gen X and permissive about this but there is a moment where she says stop that and he says stop what this or this and it's a wonderful sexy moment to me I could see that maybe it wouldn't be if people feel like he should have listened to the stop that that said fabulous sex scene fabulous love affair and what's really great about this movie the New Orleans ambiance is fantastic uh, I love all, all the set pieces. It's a great story. Um, just really well put together movie. Um, but one of the really great things about it romance wise is that the romance actually serves to transform his character. That because Dennis Quaid, who is this New Orleans homicide detective, falls in love with Ellen Barkin, that he learns from her a different way of seeing the world and he changes what he's doing. He actually transforms and becomes a 
different person with different values by the end of the movie. And it's really great because you don't often see that. You don't often see, particularly in movies, that portrayal of love, of embracing true love, of wanting the person more than you want these things that you've been clinging to in your life that you discover are false beliefs. Um, so really recommend The Big Easy. Uh, great fun to watch, but also really wonderful example of using the love affair to, for character transformation and to affect social change in the end. Uh, I was also noticing I've been watching Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the second season, enjoying that very, very much. Um, it really is like classic Star Trek back to like how things were in next generation. It's great stuff, great episodes. And the most recent episode um, features Spock and Nurse Chapel who are having uh, an affair. They've been sort of stumbling towards it. And I really, um, yeah, very much enjoying that this last episode, which I don't recall what it was called, but it's, it's you can figure it out. Um, but one of the interesting things that the show is doing in this second season, I would have to go back and see if they did it in the first season though. And I don't recall, but I really noticed it last. I've noticed it in these last two episodes is there has always been the, um, I want to say trope and I don't think it's a trope, um, a thematic device, a storytelling device that goes all the way back to the original series that always began with the captain's log, right? You know, Kirk captain's log, stardate, blah, 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 blah. And that gives us a little bit of our narrative structure, right? You know, whatever the captain's log tells us is going on, you know, we have been sent to the Armenian system to deal with blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it, it gives you, you know, that narrative structure, it also gives you some of the backstory that you need to understand the episode. It's a device. Maybe what I want to say is just a plain device, storytelling device. One thing that um, new, Strange New Worlds is doing is that they are changing up whose log it is. And I, the Star Trek purists, Jim Sorensen, could probably tell me I know he recently did a rewatch of all of Next Generation with his 10-year-old son, which I think sounds, he, it, it was charming and delightful from the way he was talking about it, explaining things to his son uh, of what is now a fairly old show, right? Uh, but, um, so I don't recall if they rotated it around, but I really noticed these last couple episodes in Strange New Worlds, uh, the last one started out with uh, Ortegas, the pilot, who I think is great. I really enjoy her, uh, her log. And then this one uh, started out with Nurse Chapel's log. And it's an interesting way of playing with point of view, um, that they are bringing in these other points of view from the various people's logs of not just giving us the backstory and some insight into the narrative structure of the episode, but also insight into those characters 
and informing us of which characters are going to have a stake in this episode. And I think this is something Strange New Worlds is doing really well is that it is maybe more deliberately than in the past focusing on um, different characters in each episode and exploring their arcs. And I think previous series have done that to some extent, but this will, and, and I did fall off of intermediate series. So, you know, this is the first one I really come back to and follow closely, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's a really interesting way of telling the story instead of it just being an ensemble cast where it's, you know, like the original series was, you know, like mainly about Kirk, right? mainly about Kirk and Spock. And it would be other people sometimes, but, you know, it tended to focus very much on the primary protagonists. And Strange New Worlds is really taking the ensemble field into the next level, uh, which makes sense because there's been a lot of change in storytelling in the ensuing years. And I know a lot of shows uh, really did delve into that, you know, like going into different character arcs. But it's a fun way to do things. Uh, in SIFWA, we have the um, Romance Steering Committee has been doing a monthly town hall. And we have a different speaker each month. And we had the town hall on Saturday. And Leslie Penelope, who also writes as L. Penelope, uh, came and talked to us about point of view and having multiple points of view in a story. And uh, long-time listeners of the podcast know that uh, Leslie and I go way back. We used to listen to each other's podcasts a lot and have like non-simultaneous conversations, but then we both fell off of listening to each other, alas. Um, but we are, we are still friends. <laughs> but it was nice to see her on Saturday and hear her take and then to have the discussion about point of view after. Uh, I am almost done with Cassiel's Servant. Uh, if you listen regularly, you know that I've been reading the advanced reading copy of Jacqueline Carey's Cassiel's Servant, which is essentially Cushiel's Dart, rewritten from Jocelyn's point of view. And finally, towards, this, towards the end, now she's getting more into the emotional angst of of jocelyn's feelings i wish there had been more throughout uh she is giving the meat that i was looking for all this time uh but i do think it's an interesting question because we talk about and this and we were discussing this on saturday making choices about pov and leslie brought out the pretty well established rule of thumb that you want to put a scene in the point of view of whichever character has the greatest stakes in what's going on. And Kushiel's Dart was written in the first person point of view of Fedra, and that was absolutely the correct choice. That was her story. It needed to be told from her point of view. Um, I'm not sure that Jocelyn's point of view is as powerful. It's been a fun read, and definitely a terrific fan service, but I don't think it's added to the story. Now I'm going to send this book to assistant Kareem, who has not read any of the Kushiel series, and we will see what her take is on reading the book from, from that point of view. 
I'm very interested in her take on it. Uh, yeah. So, and I did put out a poll on social media. Please feel free to answer here too. But I am considering rewriting the Mark of the Tala from Rafe's point of view. Uh, people have asked me for Rafe's point of view over the years, and I'm feeling kind of inspired. I mean, when would I do this? We don't know, but uh, I would like to do this. And so I'm asking, would you, if you love the Mark of the Tala, would you be interested in reading that book from Rafe's point of view, first person point of view? And then yes, I would probably go on to do the other books. Although it occurred to me that means I would have to rewrite the pages of the mind from Nakoa's point of view. And I really don't know how I would do that. He's almost a Jocelyn character, right? We come up with these stoic heroes and then once we get in their heads, it's like, is there really anything going on in their heads? <laughs> is that awful to say? Anyway, let me know what you think. I'm going to go get to work. Uh, I hope you all have a fabulous Monday. I hope things are going well for you. And I will talk to you all on Friday. You all take care, all right? Bye-bye.